2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Uh, we got the four of us here. We got DJ, Tron, and Big Randy. Uh, we're going to get to our interviews a little bit later Re- with...
1: Real microphones with Big
2: Randy. Real <laughs> microphone with Big Randy. Yeah, with,
1: what's up with this? I makes
3: me uncomfortable.
2: Some unbelievable reporting from Big Randy in the field this week. Um, the true journalist, the rising star in the game. But we're going to get to our interviews in a second here with Curtis Luck. Um, from the victorious team Tron, and Mr. Edward Lohr from the non-victorious team Solly, uh, through no fault of his own. But I wanted to debrief a bit on the experience uh, in Greenville and at the BMW Charity Pro-Am and uh, turn it over to our champion of the bet, Mr. Tron Carter.
4: I was going to try to be sporting about this, but these guys are kind of goading me into, hey, you know, gloat a little bit. I ran a dirty campaign. You did run a dirty campaign. I did. There was a lot of (laughs) negative. There was a lot of negative ads, negative energy. Uh, I think cream, I rose above it. The cream rose, yeah. yeah. The cream rose at the top. I, I had a terrible, terrible practice session on <laughs> Wednesday. Did.
3: Yeah, I, I'd like to say I, I was not putting out misinformation, trying to move the
1: line at all. It it was it was that bad. <laughs> <It> was, <yeah. laughs> Tron yeah. was so bad that he had he had thrown clubs so many times that he let one fly that hit me. No, hard I wasn't in shoulder. throwing clubs. I was well. W- he'd finish his swing and then let him go and just <laughs> launch him. And what? Um, I mean, it was just it exactly it, like it, 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 it yeah. became I like lost a work two
4: hundred dollars to Solly on. It Tuesday. was so bad. It, it
1: was an occupational hazard for a lot of us that were watching.
4: We don't even have workers' compensation. I know. With MLU, <laughs> so. Luckily, it worked out. You just
1: yeah. you know, rubble of dirt on it. Worked out um, okay.
4: But yeah, I, I think uh, and then I, I tweaked tweaked my neck a little bit too. So I, I legitimately Rhom- visited. Yeah, my rhomboid was like, a, I think I've got, I've got some inflammation on my spinal column. Um, so I and saw the physio every day legitimately on the range.
2: And due to our, the amazing fundraising efforts of our followers, you we we threw out there that if we raised $15,000, you would wear a full-length Phil Mickelson and main shirt during the competition, which I thought was going to work against you biggest upset of the week 100%. Tron actually pulled off it, this look. It looked really good. Much better yeah. than Phil does.
1: It, it pain, I think it pains it pains all of us to say. Oh yeah, that I didn't it, want that it, it that. really looked spectacular.
4: I'm going to wear them once the once the temperature's cool off. I think if it's above 80, 85 degrees it gets a little rough. But once the temperature cools off and, and the humidity comes down a little bit, that's going to be my look. So. Well,
2: we just want to again say thank you to everyone. We actually we set out like an internal goal of raising about $10,000. We would thought that we would have considered that uh, successful uh, we with BMW matching all donations of 50 or greater up to $10,000 we hit that for an extra 10k I think we ended up somewhere around $34,000 raised for Woo. our two charities which are it's Evan Scholars yeah. and, Evan
4: Scholar Foundation, uh, and the Greenville Children's Hospital so. we'll
2: be doing the raffle drawings shortly here for uh, everyone that contributed to Team Tron well I think uh,
4: we're gonna do it I said Monday night I think we're gonna do it Tuesday night I want to be back in Jack's okay do it with you guys and so
2: stuff. Yeah, thank yeah. you to everyone for donating. That this this was that was that was really inspiring. I thought that was really cool and kind of to see everyone rally around this dumb little competition <laughs> we threw together. And we had we had a lot of fun with it. And uh, together, anything's possible. Yeah, seriously, that that was awesome. So, uh, big Randy, what, have you been to Greenville before? Is this your first time?
3: Uh, no, and I actually have family in the area. So, I, well, that's not true. I, <laughs> let me back up. I Fake do have news. family in the area. That is true. Um, I've been on the outskirts of Greenville before, but this was my first time to downtown and you know I had heard great things from Tron who was here last year um and I was like really Greenville South Carolina huh, okay um but yeah really really cool downtown um just a very live lively uh main street food restaurant bar uh very walkable some really cool architectural features great coffee shops um which we'll get to yeah it it was lived up to exceeded expectations. Very cool trip. Glad I, glad I could make it.
2: DJ, this is your first BMW charity pro-am. What was your initial reaction to it?
1: Uh, I loved everything about it. I mean, it was, uh, it's cool to see three different courses. I think all of us kind of like to see and analyze and talk about and play, you know, as many courses as possible. So it's cool to see, cool to see a bunch of different spots. Um, and just, I mean, the, the, we've all been to a million PGA tour events and, and big, you know, kind of big scale events and for me like for my money it doesn't get better than the web tour and and champions where things are just kind of so much more laid back and the guys are so much more accessible and the guy you know nobody's stressed out nobody's hassling you about credentials and you know all the like all the things that I totally understand why they happen at pj tour events and and how you have to kind of keep things reined in and controlled but out here I mean it just it feels like the way I imagine the pj tour felt in 19 80 or 1975 you know where it's just it's just a little more chilled out and it's just traveling roach it is yeah it feels yeah exactly it just feels like kind of a traveling circus or a more intimate traveling circus and you're kind of out there and uh it's just great everybody knows each other and and you still obviously get to you know watch the golf up close and the players are you know for by and large you know the players are are just as good it might not be quite as as top heavy with you know superstars but we played um, behind
4: a guy with green jacket. <laughs> yeah. Clothed.
1: I will I will that is actually a great point. I will never forget. Maybe the lasting memory of this week is just, you know, obviously Pace of Play is a little little sluggish out there on every tour, but uh, standing and watching Mike Weir up on a tee box, waiting to hit a shot, turning around, watching a guy with a fake name <laughs> on his caddy bib hit a wedge into the green. That was, I mean, that was like, what, what a world! Yeah, what a world! And Derek
4: Ernst is playing behind us. He's won, in, yeah, you know, one Quail Hollow a few years back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was—it's just really, really, really cool. And the celebrity aspect is cool too. I mean, it's—it's yeah. it's weird to be, you know, it's weird to be walking around and and you know, you're you're grabbing a, a plate of salad and you see david wallace from the office and i saw i got one of the kind of bit characters from mad men out there today i mean it's like dinner last night aaron Rodgers, aaron Rodgers, yeah you know <laughs> yeah on <laughs> kind I of mean, a similar right. level star <laughs> yeah, yeah aaron Rodgers,
4: carlton uh, aka alfonso rivero is asking if if there was going to be an open bar during the rain delay on <laughs> friday <laughs> yeah it's just it,
2: i loved it couldn't couldn't have had more fun that's what we were laughing was we were playing the 10th hole at Furman, and we and Alfonso was playing like 13th or 14th and was on our hole, and we're like watching him. We're t- kind of j- jabbering with him a little bit about how far left he was. And sure enough, when we came through that other hole, I, I headed over to that that, that that wrong hole as well as Max Holmes coming up the fairway, and he almost sprints up like,
1: yes, I cannot wait to watch this. You shot. had the
2: Callaway staff bag, though,
1: not the America's Funniest Home Videos bag, this which is, is true. what he had.
2: This is true. It was fun to just kind of have – 'Cause watch the web guys kind of have fun with all the shenanigans we were pulling as well. Randy, so. I don't know
1: how you feel. I kinda I think it was more fun to watch and just rag on Tron and Solly and make jokes than it actually would have been to play inside the ropes.
3: I, yeah, I agree. I think we I, I had mentioned to you earlier, you know, there were maybe ten shots. I was like, Oh man, I'd like to hit that shot and the rest of the time I was like, eh, I'm kinda glad Solly and Tron are hitting those shots. I'm You
4: know, when the lights are brightest though.
1: Yeah, we would have shrunk from the from from the challenge for sure.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, no, nothing with ability. Just like, dude, I was having a good time just strolling and you raining know, the wags, watching a little golf. Yeah, making making some jokes with my guy
1: DJ. Um,
4: yeah, it was great. So, Free beer for everybody or dollar beers for Dollar everybody. beers
1: after Magnanimous Tron made made the birdie on number nine <laughs> He got his redemption on television. I was
4: signing so I was signing balls for kids. You know, I felt like I I did I <laughs> had some home, experience. Homeowners as yeah, well. Yeah, homeowners. I saw Nick Love for a homeowner. I, you know, I had some experience from last year. I think I put that to good use and and uh you know, we'll have to figure out what it looks like for next year.
2: You're chumming it up with the producers of golf channel to make sure your birdie got uh, Yeah, got yeah I saw shown John Swantech
4: and a little bit of a, a little bit of payola going on. <laughs>
2: um so with that we want to say thanks to everyone at the bmw charity pro-am for having us out and as long as they will have us we will keep coming back this was a really fun week for everyone for the nlu fam and extended fam and thanks for
1: donating i know we mentioned that but that can't be said enough that i mean it's cool that we get to go around and do fun dumb things uh and you know that's cool in itself but when we could do that and raise it kind of way more money than we thought we could uh that's kind of staggering yeah it's great So
3: Yeah, i say it was just humbling. It's it's humbling to kind of be associated with that. Very cool. So so. for sure, thank thank you, everybody.
2: With that, uh, we're going to turn it over. Our first interview is with Tron's partner, Curtis Luck, and then after that will be Edward Lohr. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll check back with you next week.
4: Hey, folks. Patriotic Tron here. Let's take a minute to talk about the new Stars and Stripes Chrome Soft Truvis Golf Ball that Callaway just released. Uh, It features Callaway's popular Truvis pattern in patriotic red, white, and blue design. All of which is very fitting, since Callaway's Chrome Soft balls are all made in the USA. Actually, in, I believe, Western Mass, Chicopee Mass. That's correct. Uh, This ball features everything you've come to love about the Chrome Soft, including the graphene-infused outer core, which allows Callaway to engineer an incredible-feeling golf ball. that's low spin off the tee, with increased shot-stopping spin around the green so you can stop your shots without having to backstop Correct. on the green even though uh, Dirty
2: Tron was backstopping during the you no know, it was a team Pro. competition okay so yeah that, was, that totally justifies you know. it so we are like we're playing preach.
4: against the field um, so that we're not protecting the okay. field, uh, but yeah. Anyway, Sally, Before I was rudely interrupted. Stars and Stripes Chrome Soft Truvis golf balls will be, are actually on the shelf right now. They went on the shelf this past Friday, May 18th. So visit CallawayGolf.com for more info. Be sure to pick up yours before they're gone. Uh, they're also available for purchase at select retailers. So stock up for Memorial Day coming up, U.S. Open, and then uh, you know, obviously July 4th.
2: Fly the flag. Let's get yeah, back to the show. Yeah. Come on, people. All right, welcoming in. Uh, from Team Tron, Victorious Team Tron, Mr. Curtis Luck, what do you have to say to, uh, to the people?
5: We are the champions. Um, I just want to thank all the supporters uh, of me and Tron, um, particularly Tron because I know he's got a lot more fans than myself. But, uh, yeah, it was a great week out there. Not for Solly and Ed, unfortunately. It was not. But, uh, it was awesome for me and Tron, and to come away with the victory is just a, a great way to finish the week.
2: How would you describe the margin of victory?
5: Um, a lot. <laughs> as simple as that. Um, you know, me and Tron discussed it earlier this week. We thought for a while there it might not have been, you know, that fair that you were off scratch this week, Solly. But, uh...
4: There's been to... a lot of talk about my handicap, which I think my handicap was fine. I think it was just your handicap was 2 shots too low.
2: It was. It was way too low. Um, People
5: you... were calling me a sandbagger. You're, You're not a sandbagger. You've watched me I play. I agree. All like... I agree with that. I think I think Solly's handicap was the one that was yeah. out. It would just um, got
2: artificially low at the wrong time. Like yeah. I'm very well aware yeah. that He's I'm a, a
5: reverse team. sandbagger. And, yeah. and that happens, but unfortunately, you just timed I guess your golfing expertise wrong whilst you're at Bandon Dunes, you know? You shouldn't have uh, been cleaning it up over there.
2: It was hard not to take your the, the adamant nature of your... Well, you're definitely not a scratch. It was hard not to take that part personal, <laughs> but, you know, I'm recovering. It was I'm very well aware of this, but to hear it from the outside... I'm not going to lie. It stung a little bit, but...
5: Um, well, I'm not sure it, I said that. I think well, you you I'm, emphasized oh, it. Oh, did I? Yeah. Exactly. I, I do recall saying that I believe you're like one of those people that likes to just tell people they're a scratch golfer. <laughs> so, um, Which
2: is actually not true. but. I'm not sure about it. I'm very comfortable as a two. I'm not a scratch. I'm very well aware of it. <laughs> but uh, we, we were talking about how we were going to potentially do something where I'm going to try to qualify for the U.S. Open next year. And when I, I told Ed that when I was about nine over through 11 holes and the pause that he made before trying to find out if i was serious or not was enough to let me know that i've got a long ways to go um,
1: you're
4: sitting with a guy here in curtis that qualified for the us open and, and dropped decided
5: it decided he didn't even want to play it is the us open overrated curtis can't say um i haven't played it so we'll, <laughs> we'll just have to i guess wait and see hopefully this year will be the year i can uh figure that one out
2: what was so? Explain your timing. So you play. You won the U.S. Amateur, played in the Masters, and then turned pro right after that. Did you have s- starts lined up? Is that the reason why?
5: Yeah, um, I just had like a, a really good little lineup of events um, with Bay Hill and then the Masters uh, to finish off my amateur career, and then. It, looked like I was going to get um the maximum invites I could which was nine um not all of them were set in stone at that stage but it was looking positive so we decided or like I guess my team and I decided that it was probably more beneficial for me to turn pro and utilize them and, and try and actually get somewhere with them
1: how old were you when you uh officially had a team would you say
5: um It's one thing in Australian golf, like, amongst the organizations there, they they sort of grind into you to take it as seriously as possible. And one of those things is, you know, selecting a group of people that support you and and are going to look after you. And and so I would say probably from, like, the age of 15, I knew that group. Um, Obviously, family's included in that. But, um, like, I've been with my coach from that day. I must have been 14, 15 um i've been working with the same physio uh, strength and conditioning all that stuff it's all been the same guys from that point on pretty much
2: so what is your give us your breakdown of your partner's game for this week what did you see that you liked what did you see that you didn't like what's the full breakdown
5: pretty much love everything to be honest you know he's just an all round great <laughs> golfer that
2: is bullshit we walk in the cart leading between the two nines at we we're half at the halfway point you said to me that you think this partnership is falling apart
5: yeah, well... I'm
2: not but, even sure Tron knows that you said that.
5: Curtis said a lot of d- things d- this d- week. <laughs> I was young. D- yeah, exactly. I was immature and didn't, didn't realize where I was going at that stage. You know, the lead had dropped after the, um, Ed started so well on Friday. But, um, yeah, no, I the one thing I really like about Tron's game is that he doesn't really hit it out of play that often. Like, it's kind of in play all day. Yeah, he can queef it a little bit. But... <laughs> for the most part it's pretty good the Queen plays yeah you know? exactly yeah. I mean this is coming from a fade of myself off the tee you know like I I love where Tron's going with the fade like the pool fade fade deep plays man you did, know like
1: did you see him hit that house
5: yeah, that might <laughs> I mean, like, I think I might have had something to do with that because I did get up to him on the tee and say, I want to see a draw. And I think, <laughs> it like, drew, it for sure, Drew. <laughs> well, like myself, I, I really do think we're both not capable of hitting draws with driver. <laughs> so I can hit one with a three word, I can't hit I, one with a driver. It's the same with me. Yeah. Um, You know, like, so I think that he can put that on me.
2: So give, so give. I want to hear you kind of your breakdown. What kind of, what lesson would you give Tron, and what lesson would you give me for our games?
5: Uh, Tron, I would place him on a chipping green between ten and forty yards, and I'd just tell him that he needs to be more aggressive with like his stroke because um, quite often when he's like uh, got a touchy feely shot, he actually like kind of overdoes it, and um, even the sh- some of the shots that he hits like well. Uh, they just kind of don't have like they don't have aggression to them, so they kind of come up short or they, they you know they don't quite carry far enough. So that would be my. Or first. they roll out too much because I haven't put enough spin on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it's kind of speed relative, I think. But Tron's a pretty good putter. He gets around the greens like when he's actually on the green, he puts pretty well. Um, so that XO has been a, a treat to you. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> really has.
5: And I didn't even putt that well this week. But yeah, yeah, but I can see like my, he's got control of that. My leg is good. Yeah. Um, so and and as I said, he kind of keeps it in play So there's nothing like jumping out at me. There's definitely stuff we could work on in on his long game. But I definitely think like he would gain a lot of strokes from 10 to 40 yards. And then you, Solly, I think we just need to see a little bit more control. Like I like you're you're the opposite with the full swing to Tron. You're really aggressive but I think that uh, more often than not doesn't work out for you. I think when I see you control it a little bit more off the tee, I see you in play a whole lot more. Um,
2: Which is the opposite advice my caddy gave me yesterday. <laughs> That's true.
1: That's just, <laughs> true. Just send it, bro. Yeah, he was backing off it, and he was all over the place. Was, he, and then he started swinging. We don't have to get into it. What yeah. Tron, what advice would you give Curtis on his game? <laughs> I, uh, I need
4: it. every. Tron week.
2: Stockton Jr
4: you got it. we talked about it yesterday
5: you got that little uh it, you know it comes out once a round yeah i got a little miss with my wedges at the moment It's long left and and unfortunately it gets me in trouble at the moment so i think as soon as i start getting that out um, no i'm i'm totally uh
4: you're 20 you're 21 years old going on Forty-eight years old.
2: In Twenty-one <laughs> in Earth years.
4: Earth years. Yeah. In
5: Earth years. Yeah. Your. rainy says his soul is years. about
1: six to seven thousand years old. <laughs> <laughs> You <laughs> may
2: have walked up out of the ocean.
4: Wow. My mom legitimately didn't believe that you were 21. Yeah, I still right. kind of don't
5: believe it.
2: What is so this is kind of your first full you're playing the the full season on the web tour this year. Your first full like length of time experience in the US. What's your impression been of what of professional golf in the US so far playing the web.com tour?
5: Um of the web.com, it's just like a I guess like a it's a crazy, crazy tour in the fact that everyone's just so hungry to get somewhere, which is obviously the PJ Tour. Um, after playing invites out there, everyone, it's super competitive, obviously, but um, there's like a, a different mentality on the web to get to that point. So I don't know what changes between it, but I guess um, guys are just searching for that, that better lifestyle that the PJ Tour has to offer.
2: What has been something like culturally in the United States that has surprised you?
5: Um, you go to some pretty interesting places. Just on how board, big so. a rush everyone's in. Yeah? Yeah. Like people in Australia are just slow. Like they just do things slowly <laughs> and take their time um, compared to over here. Everything's about I think everything's more about being fast and getting things done quickly which has its benefits for sure but I definitely would say that like culture back home is a lot more relaxed which I kind of like.
2: Everything except the pace of play probably.
5: Yes, yes, (laughs) the pace of play but that's everywhere worldwide. We need pace of play to go up everywhere.
2: How many times have you been to Methodical this week? Your favorite coffee shop in Greenville?
5: Mm, I would say I've definitely ticked over my um, my whatever they call it when when you've been there i'm gonna get a free coffee yeah, punch card, your so, punch card yeah my punch card yeah there you go i'm gonna get a free coffee for sure i reckon if i go back tomorrow morning so i'm gonna say probably like eight times with multiple like purchases at each time so, so you are you're able to have a method yeah
1: the a big method
5: <laughs> yeah that's me the method you are
1: an absolute coffee fanatic is that fair to say yes 100. where does that come from and what uh drives that
5: I'm definitely not as big a fanatic as someone like Matt Goggin. Um really? I've found. Well, Matt just pretty much, I'm going to say, knows everything there is to know about coffee. Like, if he ever decides to open a coffee shop, I'll be there every day. Um, but, yeah, I, I I guess it's... Like, coffee's really big in Australia. Like, it's a, it's a real cultural thing. Like, we really get around it. It's like part of your daily ritual is to go get a coffee kind of thing, um, whether it's picking one up before work or going late at night. Like, it's just, that's just what it is. Um, And I think once I started traveling a lot, I started realizing that the coffee wasn't quite as good like where I was going, um, like everywhere else. And so it then became like a passion of mine to search for like the really good coffee. And then from there, I just started gaining more and more interest in like how it all works. And yeah, now I, uh, I can't deal with life without it.
2: Not a Starbucks guy. Not a chain coffee guy when Completely you go. Completely
5: to- against Starbucks. We're out on Starbucks.
2: Where does you, Do you do research before you go to towns Is it what the best coffee shops are?
5: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I kind of, when I know I'm going on like stints where I'm going to be playing three or four events or whatever it may be, I will, before I even go to the place, I'll know where I want to check out. Um, it doesn't mean I know if they're like 100% good, but... I'll have I've basically got um, a note in my phone of everywhere I have been um, and everywhere I should go check out so like we're going to Nashville next week I've already got I think three or four locations that I want to go try. Um, makes my life easy and then from there like I think after a few days I'll know which one's the, like the king and which one I'll go to for the rest of the week
1: it's kind of just a hobby probably more than anything right like it's, it's yeah. you guys have so much free time out here that it's just probably good to get out and just do something it doesn't really matter what it is so.
5: absolutely um, it definitely is a good time killer um, but yeah it is it is a hobby for sure um, it's a great way you know like if you've got I'm, I'm one of those people that just as soon as like Thursday comes around I'm just super excited to get out and play like tournament rounds um I hate like having like an afternoon tea time because I feel like once I get up I just like I, I'm just waiting and it seems like time takes forever um so it's a good way for me to you know get up go get a coffee it might take 20 minutes to get there it might who knows how long I'll be there for as long as I can be normally and then to the golf course and Usually that's the way I kill my time in the morning and sometimes I do the flip after around. So it's it's a nice, like, as you said, a little hobby. Sometimes you do both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I've got, like, a late morning tea time, perfect. I can get there beforehand and afterwards.
2: <laughs> so we talked a bit about this week about what your practice routine is like. So walk us through, like, a typical typical day at home in Orlando, what a typical day of practice looks like.
5: Yeah, so... um. Fortunately, I I live with like a a really good buddy, um, Ryan Ruffles, who's also another young Australian professional. So like, you know, most of the time when we're home, um, we're both there, which is great because it's awesome fun having someone to practice with. But like on a normal day, I usually try to hit anywhere I'm gonna say any depending on the day. Sometimes in Orlando, it's hot like summer. It's it's hard to hit as many balls. So I'll say like I can hit anywhere between 300 and 600 balls a day. Um,
2: how long does that take? I don't know how many golf balls that is. That sounds like a lot. I'm gonna to me. say
5: it probably. I I like fire balls off pretty quick. Um, so I would say like over the course of a day, it might take two to three hours, like in total, of just hitting balls. I'm pretty quick, as I said, so I don't I don't really muck around. Um, And then, yeah, so do that, um, and then always, you know, do an hour or so on the pitching green and an hour on the putting green, um, and then always, nearly nine times out of ten, try and go out and play, whether it may be nine holes or eighteen holes. I'm fortunate. At Isleworth, we you know we can whip around in carts in you know depending on the day two hours sometimes you know like even quicker so, um, like it's one thing that is so different to like Aussie golf is pretty much no one plays in carts back home in Australia so, um, it's a nice change it's certainly different um, but it definitely helps practicing. So you're just sitting out there. Do you guys have a
4: special section of the range at Isleworth for? Um, it's like you and Charles Howe III and <laughs> Yeah, it's,
5: it's like it's a double-sided range, and usually one side's like actually like been set up for all the members. Um, so we can utilize either side, but basically we just go to whatever side's into the wind. I much prefer hitting balls into the wind, and the range is just at a length where, like, driver's debatable on whether it'll get to the other side, so you need to know that, obviously, you're not putting anyone in danger, and so hitting into the wind is usually just where I'll go, but we do have the freedom of kind of, I guess, going where we want on the range. And then you were talking about your team earlier. So your coach is back in Australia... Yeah, um, so how my does coach that work? is back in Australia. Um, Craig Bishop he he's been awesome. Um, really, I'm going to say pretty much taught me everything I know um, relative to the golf swing. It's he's like a he's a great golf coach. He is super technical, um, but that suits me perfectly because I think about golf that way. Um, yeah, how like, does it work being?
4: 8,000 miles away from him.
5: Um, It's definitely interesting. Uh, Like, when I was, like, an amateur living out of Perth still um, at home, like, I would just sort of pop in and, you know, whether I I had a lesson with him or I just went next door and he had maybe 10 minutes spare between lessons and he'd come over and, like, help me out. Um, That's definitely (laughs) been a change because obviously I don't have access to that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny, though, you know, like, his coaching method is... um, it's based kind of around the golfing machine, uh, which obviously a lot of people know. Um, it's a really specific style of coaching. Um, and then he also did a lot of stuff with Mac O'Grady. So, um, fortunately for me, like whilst I, I learned a lot of my coach's stuff, like there's a really exact equation of what that what he's looking for, um, and I kinda know what that is. So when I'm away, I don't feel the need to, like, be calling him weekly or whatever it may be. Like, I'm lucky if I speak to him once every month. So you kind of just self-correct. He's taught you yeah. almost how to be your own coach. Well, it, that's yeah. exactly right. And that I, I think that is the key to, like, a. Re, uh, that's what I think the key to a great golf coach is... You take yeah, ownership if that, if of your they own can, If they can coach themselves out of a job, that's um, the best mm. attribute. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you're one of the top players in the world earning you know so much money you can't really afford to have your coach with you all the time and um although we've all got FaceTime and all this stuff like you can send video footage so easily now it's still not the same so to be able to yeah self assess and 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 correct like things that are going wrong whilst you're out is like a really i think it's a really important attribute to have as a player
2: Do you have like a specific habit or bad habit of some kind that you're always kind of working through or something you're kind of working through at the moment?
5: Yeah, absolutely. I I always fight um, one thing. So we kind of have four checkpoints in my golf swing and three of the four of them, usually don't really move that much there's one in particular that I always always have to maintain particularly when I'm on the road a lot um because uh by like the third or fourth week on playing you know your mindset kind of goes from just getting the ball in the hole rather than you know like when you're practicing at home you're kind of always working on things and making it look pretty um so, like, one of the things I do is my pelvis kind of shifts forward as I take the club back, which makes me stand upright in my swing. Um, and that causes a few smaller issues, like the club starts to drop in back behind me because the the, uh, the plane gets shallower and then all... Yeah, there's a, there's a whole heap of things that can come from it. So, yeah. Um, so... As long as I maintain that pelvis kind of staying back and and my spine angle like more over the top of the ball, I tend to keep in good stead, I guess.
2: I've never thought about spine angle or pelvis or anything in a golf swing. Yeah,
1: no, I'm sure that's gonna help my <laughs> swing a lot. <laughs> yeah. throw,
4: throw a couple more thoughts. I don't in think there. I'm capable of even <laughs> being my own coach for you know, hours at a time, much less days at a time. What,
2: so you, you won the U S amateur, you've played professional golf for a year and a half now. Is that right? Two years now?
5: And the Asia Pacific amateur. Literally. I ticked off a year, like only a month ago. Okay. Just
2: over a year. What is the biggest, do you see like a gap in what helped you win the U S amateur and what you need to be a successful pro and things like a specific thing that you need to grow and improve upon?
5: Um, yeah, it's it's interesting because like obviously USM's a match play event, so you do have breathing space in match play. You can put bad holes in and whatever. Um, so like something I know that I've really got to work on, which was really good that year in particular, two thousand sixteen, was my driving. Like I was in play all day every day. Um, And that just counts for so much, like, on these golf courses, particularly on the PGA Tour, because um, they are brutal to be playing out of the rough and out of the trees. Like, you do not want to be there. Um, So that's one thing that I want to kind of sharpen back up and get back to maybe where I was, um, because, I mean, it also opens doors to, you know, playing more aggressively when you're hitting it straighter. You know, like, I could hit driver where maybe some guys were hitting three lines to lay out because I felt comfortable. Um and yeah, that has a big impact on, you know, how close you can hit it to the hole. So
2: So you're you're twenty one, you live in Australia, you are from Australia, you have an Australian accent, you're a professional golfer. What's dating life like in Orlando?
5: No good. It's a uh <laughs> a seniors home, I'm gonna say. Um it's like a big retirement village. Um <laughs> Particularly in the area we live. Uh, but, yeah, no, nah, I need to... I think I'm going to have to invest some more time into that. It's not been great since I've been here.
4: Did you consider going
5: <clears throat> Going to play in Europe or going to play in Asia Absolutely. You know, versus the U.S.? So, in 2016, that year, I uh, I won the WA Open, um, which is, like, just a pro event on the Aussie PGA Tour. And, uh, well, I should say the PGA Tour of Australasia. Um yeah, I, I, I kind of was at a point where I was feeling ready. Like, I, I felt like I, I needed to give it a crack um, to see where I was at, like, on that stage. Uh, I'd had, like, a couple of other good finishes that year, so I was kind of thinking, now's the time to, to have a go. And I had no pressure on myself to turn pro. I just I decided that I was going to enter, like, Q schools. So I, I entered Japan and Europe because I'd played in Japan and I'd noticed, like, the tours run really well. They play for pretty good purses Um, you like their clothing I like their clothing (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: you wear all the Callaway Japan stuff that looks looks pretty wild it's
5: awesome it's pretty wicked Um, and then yeah I I just I just loved Japan so I was kind of like I'll definitely give that a crack it's kind of good playing Japan out of Australia too because similar time zone Um, and then Europe I had a lot of um, advice from guys like Brett Rumford Uh, another one's Jason Scrivener, um, you know, like guys that I've I've grown up sort of watching and, and, you know, starting to practice with in my later amateur days. Um, they were all in Europe and you know, like they said how much fun it was and um just that it's a it's a great tour, you know, like it you really at times get thrown out of your comfort zone with all the different things like language barriers and, and stuff like that. So Europe was somewhere I was really interested in travelling and playing. Um but yeah, when USM happened, that kind of shut that down pretty quick. And you were
4: kind of thrust in. We were talking about it earlier. You were kind of thrust in
5: being from Perth, where you...
4: I mean, it's a pretty remote place. You, you had to travel yeah you know, five, six hours most of the time to...
5: Yeah, very. Um, so Perth's obviously one of... I, I think it is the most isolated city in the world, Um yeah, it's, it's so as juniors and amateurs, when, when you start taking it seriously and, like, you want to actually play big golf events, the travel becomes pretty significant, whether it's coming to the US to play the amateur events here in summer or if it's just going to Brisbane or Sydney, you know, like, it's always, like, a five-hour flight. It's never driving. Um, so we learn really early how to travel um, and how to handle that. Um, like, I mean, I started, I think, my first interstate trip... Um, for an event like on my own I was 15 um, and you literally yeah you just go to like your hotel and that's it like you just there's other kids there and you're just like alrighty, righty let's go and and so as I said I think we learn really quickly how to travel um, which I think's been a great advantage for me um, I think you can see it in results uh, particularly like A lot of the young Australians are from Western Australia like you've got Minji Lee who's on the LPGA, Hannah Green on the LPGA, Um, Oliver Goss obviously had a stellar amateur career, Uh, Brady Watt another one Um, and now you've got guys like Minwoo Lee uh, who are also breaking through in like the amateur scene so um, I definitely think it has a, a pretty big impact.
2: What was uh, so you pl- you played as an amateur in the Masters in 2017? Did you stay in the crow's nest?
5: I actually only stayed in it for one night. I uh, I was told that it's pretty it's pretty small.
2: Co- the coffee
1: was no good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the
5: coffee was not good. Nah, um, yeah. So I was told it was pretty small beforehand, and and that like you weren't really that separated from the other amateurs if if they were all willing to stay there. Um, so. My family was obviously there that week out to watch. They rented a house nearby. Um, so I actually just stayed in the house. And then I think it was the Tuesday or, or the Monday night. When Tuesday night, I think they had the amateur dinner. I camped out in the crow's nest with the other other boys. All of us stayed in there. And um, it's obviously an amazing experience. Like it's something so few people have done. So that's really cool. Um, and
4: fewer because you took up two <laughs> of the exemptions instead of one.
5: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then yeah but the, the thing is it's not ideal like if, if you're off in the afternoon and someone in the um crow's nest like one of the other amateurs is off early in the morning if their alarm goes off everyone wakes up you know and that's not my jam
2: <laughs> so what what do you so we're sitting here now this is in May what do you have to do what does it need needs to improve the most in your game between now and the end of the season to make sure you're on the PGA Tour next year
5: um just a bit of consistency uh where my golf is good. It's, it's great. Like it looks really good. Um, I'm just made actually a few equipment changes in the last few weeks with Callaway and, uh, like it's looking really positive. Like I think my bag's set up in a way now where I feel really comfortable. Like I feel like there's nothing there that can be improved. Um, so that's exciting. And, You know the start of this season it's kind of um on and off you you have like a lot of off weeks in amongst a lot of tournaments uh so i think like i'm just slowly warming up i've just come off two missed cuts but um that's a a very short story i'm actually super excited um it's probably in all seriousness after missing two cuts it's as I'm probably as excited as I have been in eight months to play golf because there's so much really good stuff going on
2: and you get the NOU podcast bump now after yeah so absolutely Where does the BMW charity Pro am rank in as far as web events that you've played so far?
5: Well it's definitely been the funnest so far hands down um, you're welcome Yeah yeah thanks guys um, it's it's been the funnest so far the courses were pretty good um, amongst the three of them. Uh, it's definitely an interesting format to play three courses, have to play them practice rounds and stuff. And, and when all the conditions are so different, um, on each course, it's, it's kind of interesting, um, to get your head around, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good tour. It's, um, we've definitely traveled to some interesting places so far this year, like obviously going to the Bahamas and then South America, Panama, Colombia. Um, it's all been great to, you know, see new places, um. Ready, yeah. get on the road though and, and yeah I, i'm drive yeah i'm super excited just to uh yeah get into like the thick of things and then really you know start playing golf we'll probably follow up with you in like
4: 17 weeks when you've been <laughs> when you've made your way across the united states yeah and, we'll see and how you feel that the car as far as like as far as like pga tour or you know kind of kind of guys that kind of been mentors to you you talked about that a little bit earlier but any like Really anybody else that sticks out or anybody else that you really look up to? Yeah, um Tron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tron, I mean, of course, yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. It's absolute standout. Um obviously the Aussies I think are a really tight knit bunch. Um, like I've played practice rounds with Jace and obviously hung out with Jace a bit. Um, and then Adam Scott has been awesome, Leash has been awesome, even like Leash's caddy, uh Matt Kelly's been great, you know, that all those guys have been really good and I think they're great with all the youngsters um particularly Australians um but yeah I was fortunate enough to have a great like caddy oh and Jeff Ogilvy another one um I was fortunate enough to have like a great caddy out there last year with me in Matt Tritton um also known as Bussy. he really like helped me kind of learn the ropes I guess um and and obviously had a big impact on how I was playing out on course as well um but yeah, there's, there's a there's a heap. I mean, another notable is um, fan favorite Zach Blair. I know you guys are uh, heard of him, uh, friend, uh, of the uh, friend of the program. Are in Familiar. on Zach Blair? Um, shout out to the Buck Club. Uh, another one that was surprising and um, it just came up through, I guess, um, a, like a mutual friend was Ian Poulter. So Ian Poulter was really good when I first um, I back Basically, when I won the USM, I met. Polter's caddy Terry Mundy because um, he was caddying for one of my mates Sam Horsfield uh, and then later down the track I ended up playing with Polter in Macau and, and Poltz was great he really looked after me um, took me out to dinner actually me and my dad out to dinner a few times um, and then yeah so bear we just ended up traveling and played in Abu Dhabi and Dubai at uh, the same event and yet again you know like he was great um, just, you know, making sure I was all right and, and kind of including me on things that he didn't have to. Um,
1: he seems like he's almost kind of uh, playing a role a little bit. Is that what you, what you saw or not? Like, I know he rubs a lot of people in the States the wrong way, but it's just, I don't know, to me it just seems like it, it's it's a bit of a an act almost and he's just kind of a little chippy and it's just kind of how he is.
5: Yeah, I, I think the the thing that gets Poulter like some some haters is that he just... Says what he feels, which I think is a great. I I think that's a great characteristic. Whether you're wrong or right, um, that's another story. But you know what? Like, if people can't accept when someone says something that they don't like, so be it. Um, I would like to think I'm kind of that way. So you are probably exactly. Well, that's probably <laughs> that's probably why <laughs> we get along. That's, how I am. that's it, yeah. Yeah, that's probably how we why we get along. You know. So um, yeah, but he he was really like really great for me uh, early on so much so that uh, the first event I played over here Bay Hill I wasn't feeling that great and and I had a really rough week I actually got DQ'd Um, you know he he just said look mate like if you want to come around to my house in Orlando I had nowhere to stay I was in a hotel he said like just come around and stay a few nights and just you know take a breath so I went over to his house and same thing yeah he was just like awesome
2: so Speaking of the haters, what, what do you have to say about uh, to, to some of your haters out there?
5: I got no time for haters, Sully. <laughs> well, uh, haters gonna hate.
2: Backstory: A friend of mine texted me and said, "Good luck with Curtis Luck this week. That guy's an asshole." And you like were ra- racing through your mind trying to figure out when you were an asshole at Brookside Country Club playing a practice round sometime. So
5: yeah, there, well, there's a reason I can't remember him because he's not important. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: all right. Uh on that note, we're gonna get you out of here, we're gonna grab some dinner. But uh thanks for putting up with us this week and uh hope you had fun and, and uh hope you're looking forward to the rematch we're gonna have this fall when uh when you guys come to a web tour championship.
5: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
4: Get it rolling and then we're gonna fire it up at like the Dunhill or Pebble Beach yes. or something oh, in yes. the coming year. <laughs> Step <laughs> up. Step it up.
2: So all right, thank you, Curtis. With that, let's uh turn it over to our interview also with the fourth member in our group, Mr. Ed Lore. All right, welcoming in now, Pardsy, my Pards, Mister Edward Lore. How uh, you played today without us today? How did you even was was it even worth teeing it up today?
0: I was barely uh, tolerable. Luckily, I had uh, two uh, members of the Olympic curling uh, team, gold medals. My man Schuster. Yeah, dude, those guys are rioting. You know, you don't get to play too many times with uh, Olympians that you look like you're a better athlete than. So, you know.
2: <laughs> the second most famous Schuster you played with this week, is that right? That's
1: correct. Yeah. That's
2: correct. So we got served uh, some humble pie by uh, by Team Carter. Uh, I can't help but feel responsible. You made the cut, and Curtis Luck did not really hard for me to to look at myself in the mirror and not feel responsible for our team not making the cut but you should feel responsible i, I know. absolutely i mean 100
0: agree i mean uh i could have made a few more birdies but uh i think in let's see i made uh maybe 15 in three days so i mean yeah solid i don't know if we'd have made the cut but certainly to get beat by
4: these dumbasses by that bad we got to do a better i was gonna nap. say i don't think it was the fact that y'all got beat it was the fact that
0: we got drunk. we
2: got trounced yeah yeah. yeah there was a there was a lack of drama in the situation uh <laughs> i think the handicaps were slightly off but i don't think that's why we lost i mean if we had our normal handicaps we still would have gotten beat i normally get
4: five off of you yeah four or
2: five and it wouldn't have made a difference i didn't i didn't bring the game but uh we had fun is that what's your normal pro-am experience like was this was this a little different than that
0: no you guys are great i mean obviously what you guys do all of us appreciate it and uh you know i always appreciate good banter i mean what's what, what the hell's a six hour round if you don't have good banter um so, no, that was great. I enjoyed every moment of it, even if you did play like a dog.
2: <laughs> what was your reaction when I bladed my wedge shot on the very first hole of the tournament?
0: Honestly, I, I was like, man, most scratches can hit the green from 100 yards, <laughs> especially after piping it. You know, I mean,
4: you piped it 280 down the middle. I'm like, okay, well. I, I would have been more concerned after the second hole. <laughs> after the,
0: the one that was a little bit of a chili pepper yeah, out to the right? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, uh, you were obviously a little rattled early. You, you played, you. You obviously played. You played pretty good yesterday. Um, you had stretches at at the cliffs where you you know you made some birdies, but obviously you're, you know, you hit the ball a long way, so you you need to play the par fives well. Furman only had two of them, and you know you were just you were a little out of sorts that first day.
2: It's it's hard when you're not, when you don't get any pops, and your mindset for my score to count is I have to beat you on the hole. So otherwise, like I pretty much count on you to make par every time. So I'm like firing for birdies, and when it goes sideways, it's easy to get. Get out of hand pretty quickly, but I was I was rattled. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was.
0: It's kind of like the old adage of Oh, I got to hit it. You know, if I don't hit it hard enough, it was, the putt's not going to go in. Well, that's you know that's like one of the worst theories in golf. It's it's hard to do it to just feel like Oh, I'm just going to play regular golf. You know, obviously when you're playing alongside a tour pro, but that's how you play best. You don't play best. You got to build around. Yeah, firing it at every pin and doing sure. stupid stuff.
2: It's a learning experience. No, What, doubt. Did, what did you think of uh, Uncle Tron's game?
0: Tron is a solid – I'd take Tron anywhere as a 7. I mean, that is a
4: solid 7. I didn't sandbag that either. That no, was, that's legitimate. No, but you did I a good job. Everything. You did yeah. a good
0: job, you know, uh, with most of your stroke holes. So uh, you're a good 7, Tron.
2: I mean, I think uh, – yeah, like I said, we usually give him f- – we usually play off maybe 5 between yeah. the two of us. And I think that was that was not Tron's best game. I think if he would have brought your A game this week, you would not beat us by about 20. It, I didn't
4: I didn't hit my irons all that well. I played better yesterday, but um, it's just, it, Curtis said, quit focusing on which holes you're getting pops on and just play golf. Yeah. Yeah. And that helped me out yesterday.
2: How did the Mizzen in Maine
4: affect you? It was a little constricting Thursday, Friday. <laughs> I, in Honestly, if it's fall and it's crisp and, you know, 60s, 70s, it was the humidity that killed, that just absolutely killed me. Like, if, if you get a little sheen going and the sweat and then, <laughs> stuff gets a little wet it's okay but if it gets a lot wet yeah. it is it's a disaster
2: the, the biggest question people are dying to answer is what did you think of big randy's reporting
0: uh, top notch i don't know how randy's not on a you know a national affiliate i mean and the props it, this prop game is incredible <laughs> i mean it's just top notch randy I,
3: I just worked with what i had just uh Come up with something each day for you. Trying sure. to inject
2: some drama in yes. it. We
4: were rustling around in the woods and having to find that <laughs> that broken <laughs> club. We were searching hard. You were I don't know what you guys were gonna do if you found that edge, y'all probably would have reshafted
0: it and played with it yesterday.
2: So if you were all right, let's do it person by person here. Start with Tron. If you were to give advice on how to improve our games, what's the you gave first of all, my I played so bad the first day you demanded we go to the range and yeah. do ten minutes, but starting with Tron what would be your lesson for Tron?
0: Tron needs a lot of – he needs a lot of short game work uh, around the greens. You know, he, he does pretty well off the tee. He gets he – gets, he actually gets the ball a little far forward, so he kind of gets swipey and hits those, you know, what do you call them, a queef out there? To- <laughs> yeah. It's a scrape queef. Scrape <laughs> queef. But really, other than that, you hit the ball pretty well. Um, but your your short game variety is – It's know, lacking. It's very lacking. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely
2: and for my and for me
0: oh man we need some practice sully uh if you're gonna maintain your your quest to uh try to qualify next year we uh, based on what i saw it all starts with your with your setup you you aim about 30 yards right and then you kind of hit either a pool either a straight pull, or you know you hit a pull hold on so you know for a for a scratch player, I mean, that's kind of a, supposed to be an elite player. There's, <laughs> there's a lot going wrong. God, are you saying, are you to saying he's
4: more like a Joe Flacco? Type, <laughs> yeah. uh... Moments of brilliance, flashes yeah. of yeah. brilliance.
0: Yeah.
2: My comfort zone is around a two. I'm not. I I, I went into this knowing my handicap was artificially low. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm 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 solid as a two. I'm not a scratch
0: player. Yeah. And you know, obviously, playing playing with pros makes it tougher. You know, you guys haven't, like you said, this is the first competitive round you've played since. High school, right? It's just a way different element, and obviously you guys realize that and kind of, kind of, hopefully appreciate what we do every week.
2: That's kind of what I want to get into too—is just watching, like, watching you guys grind out here and seeing you shot two under at Furman and seeing where you stood on the leaderboard after that was kind of—I mean, I knew scores were low out here, but that was kind of shocking to me.
4: The margin for error oh. is—it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, like there is no margin for error. There's, no.
2: And when you came out at the cliffs on Friday and birdied the first four holes, and we gained one shot during that time period, I was like, "You do, knew we were in
0: trouble." How we? do
2: you guys do this, <laughs> man? I really don't actually understand it. So, uh, for those that don't know, kind of what is your what's your either two or three minute kind of background into your amateur career, into your professional career? What's your what's your story? Um,
0: as a professional, I'm the consummate journeyman. I've played uh, nine different tours. <laughs> From the pga tour to you know non-existent mini tours i've played in 28 countries um i've always been good enough to keep the dream alive i've had some flashes of brilliance i've won twice on the web i've had my card a couple of times um you know i was an elite college player i was a four-time all-american i won 10 tournaments between college and amateur golf so played a walker cup you know so i was. Obviously, I, don't, I didn't think I'd be playing the web tour trying to scrape by at age 40. I thought I'd be one of those guys that, you know, won five times and had $50 million like we all do. But, you know, um, I'm still thankful that I get to keep trying. Um, and, and I'm still hopeful that I can, you know, achieve more success. But it's it's just a really hard deal. And honestly, if I knew probably how hard it was 17 years ago, I don't know if I would have done it. It's just... You know, at the end of the day, the math works out to play the PGA Tour. It's basically five guys a year, you know, in an entire world. So, I mean, how stupid can you be, really, to try it?
2: <laughs> and so, you, what was your experience like when you finally got, when you got your tour card? Did you feel like your game was well set up to succeed on that tour?
0: What year did you get it? The first, time? Uh, the first time was 2012, so the end of 2011. So, I'd been a pro for 12 years. I'd played in Asia, you know, and played a couple times out here, so. I thought I was well adjusted, but I, I mean, I got the shit kicked out of me. <laughs> the one that really hurt was four, when I got my card back in 14 because I'd played really well out here. I, I'd finished fourth on the money list. I had one. I had like eight top ten. So I I was coming off a to great year. Going back, you know yeah, you had I to work just, on. I just, man, I played even worse. So After just, the
4: first time, what did you? what did you feel like? All right. I need to improve on this after 2012.
0: Really, I felt like my my mid and long iron game. The pro, the PJ tour is such a different animal than the the Web Tour or certainly mini tours. You know, mini tours and here it's it's more kind of nice country club golf if you're lucky. You know, so you're hitting a lot of short irons. We're the PJ tour. You know, the average second shots like 175. So it's you know a lot of five, six, seven irons and. It's a lot different. You're not trying to necessarily shoot 25 under out there. You know, you're trying to shoot 10. So it's a, it's a way different ball game.
2: It's kind of shocking to see this week. I mean, the tournament's concluding as we're speaking. Michael Arnold was not in the event. What an what an amazing story.
0: I mean, I know Michael real well from uh, the Adams tour and he's been How old is he? He's probably he's probably 34ish, played at uh, gosh, where did he play? Either Lamar, or Sam Stephen F, I was somewhere down there, but he's from South Texas. Has always had the ability to shoot really low. Um, you know, he's he's probably won four or five times on the Adams Tour. But man, what a what a life change! This is an actual life changing moment, dude, We're witnessing really.
2: He was we had was not in the event till Wednesday. Kent Bull withdrew, yeah. and he he was in Oklahoma. I think he was ready yeah, to play the at mini tour event. Yeah.
0: He was probably. Up, they got rained out on wednesday so he probably was waiting on his you know first round tee time
2: comes up no practice
4: rounds and he, now he's what 75% of the way to a tour card now yeah Is he shot he played the front nine mm. twice and granted, it's par 35 he shot 55 <laughs> he shot 27 nine. 28 Wait, he shot 28 today
2: 28 today
4: <laughs> He shot 27 on yes. on what friday with a bogey with a bogey on nine and he shot 20 Hey, today. Like, what was
2: his best? I want to see what his best ball was. Probably about twenty four.
0: <laughs> oh, that is sick.
2: <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of what. I don't know. You see, I see like guys like you just still, like chasing the dream and still grinding out here, knowing that that week is around the corner for essentially anyone.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and, and you know, especially out here, uh, if you win a tournament, you're you're already more than halfway to a tour card. I mean, the number is usually one sixty ish. You know, so it's...
4: You had the yellow bib this week.
0: Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, you're I'm off to a solid start. I mean, I'm basically, if I win a tournament, I've got my card. I've made enough money. I've made a, just about 90000 So, it's just hard. It's it's hard to keep obviously keep chasing the dream when you're just trying to scrape by and you're not having a ton of success. But it's also hard to give it up when you know that you're only four days away. Or, you know, I see all my contemporaries that You know, my record was as good as you know Charles Kucher, Jonathan Bird, all these guys that I grew up playing with, and you know they're still doing very well. So it's it's like the dream is still there.
2: What do you see? I mean, is there something you look at with those guys' games you see as a big difference between yourself and them? What is?
0: I think they were always. I think uh, looking back, um, they were just a lot more consistent. I was very. I was always a very streaky player. So you know, when I got on a good streak, I could win a turn. I could beat anybody. Um, But you know consistency especially with ball striking day-to-day on the pga tour is what you have to have you know putting maybe wins you a tournament but ball striking kind of keeps you out there and that's kind of always where i've struggled a little bit it's
4: timing too right you just gotta get hot at the right time have you felt like that's been kind of thing for you over the last decade or so you just you just haven't been able to string it together at the right time or
0: um that's a really good question tron I, i mean i've had some really good years on many tours now i would they have translated to mm-hmm. you know if i was playing the PGA tour i don't know i mean like 2008 i played the gateway tour i never left my home you know i won four times and i finished second three times out of 10 events i mean it was i mean 120 grand i never left my house so <laughs> but i don't know would i would that have translated to mm-hmm. you know playing somewhere in front of 30,000 people i don't so i don't really have no answer to that
2: what was it? What was your professional status? So you have triplets. You have six year old triplets. Mm-hmm. What was your professional status at the time when you when you had the baby triplets?
0: I was uh I was a conditional player out here and I was in um let's see, we used to have a we used to have a tournament outside of Pittsburgh in a terrible course and I it was like the best opening round I'd played all year. I'd shot I think sixty seven and I was in third or fourth and my mom called and said, yeah, you've got to come home and so I drove like a maniac to the airport, got on an airplane, went home, and my kids were born two days later. That was so. That was September fifth of eleven. So I was kind of doing that, and then I was about to start tour school, and lo and behold, I got my tour card the first time that year, which
4: that had to have something to do. Yeah, with I was gonna it. say, how did how did you
2: manage that? I don't know.
4: So <laughs> you <laughs> were you were you invigorated scared shitless anxious excited all the above d all the above yes yeah
2: what uh what do you what do you remember the most about how many years did you play on the asian tour
4: Uh, uh, a little over five did
2: you live in the states when you played on the asian tour did you i
0: did i lived here and then i would take fell like four or five trips for you know three to five weeks at a time
2: what are your favorite stories about playing on the asian tour
0: (laughs) you know i really enjoyed it it was that's it's It's a lot like the European tour. You have a lot more camaraderie because you're always staying together and, you know, taking two-hour bus rides. Um, You know, I'll never forget the first event I played after I got my card in Malaysia was in uh, Burma or Myanmar, which is like, you know, it's like one of the poorest countries in the world, but it was a military jaunta. I think it still is, but one of the guys, one of like the colonel's sons played on the tour, so we got treated like royalty, but, you know, (laughs) I remember pulling up. I'd had a... 24 hour flight to get there, you know, and get to the course. And I'm playing with a couple of buddies from home and we keep seeing these armed guards with AK 47s. And you know, they're basically guarding the perimeter of the golf course to keep the peasants out. So, I mean, this is my first time, you know, I've been to Malaysia for Q school, but that's really not that different. But I was like, man, this is, this is just a little different. And then, you know, like India with the cold cows and the roads and, uh,
2: you can't you can't move the cows when you get in no. the roads. You
0: know, so just sitting there on your bus going, hey, get the damn cows." Out there. <laughs> Can we like move them along just a little bit?" So it's uh, You know, it was a great life experience. I really I really did enjoy it and and uh, So you did 5 straight years out there? I did. So okay. I would play, you know, our season was kind of would start early in the year and then during our summer we wouldn't play cuz it was the rainy season. and Then we would play in the fall and then I kept doing Q school and I, I didn't, I didn't ever make it to finals or anything. Uh, so I just kept going back and it actually wasn't bad. I played, I think the most I played was maybe 21 tournaments and then, uh, you know, I had the summers off, so I'd come mm-hmm. play some stuff over here and hang out. And-
2: financially mm-hmm. with all the travel costs dealing with traveling such great distances, were you yeah. were able did that make sense for you financially to play those Asian tours? Were you able to make that work or what was that kind of like financially?
0: Uh, you know, back then I was single. I didn't, I didn't you know, I didn't really have that much overhead and uh, I had some nice years where I made I think the most I made was like one sixty, so yeah. I was able to turn a profit and sure. you know, I, I was lucky enough that I had a group of guys that, that helped me out if I needed it.
2: Cool. Yeah. What uh what are you what are things like that you do you pick up anything from kind of this new school guys that come out, these young web web tour guys that, you know, we played with Curtis Luck this week. Obviously, you guys are at two totally oh, yeah. different ends of your career. Are you still at the phase where you kind of learn things from guys that you play with in any way?
0: Yeah, I know they all hit the shit out of it. Yeah. So. so do you, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'm still I'm still above average, but I'm way, way more average than I used to be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you're still hitting the same distance. I was still saying. probably kind of hitting yeah. the same distance, but, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I, I enjoy hanging out with the young guys. I mean, they obviously have a, you know, kind of a spark for what for what we're trying to do. And uh, I still try to pick some of their brains. Uh, they're all so good with the technology and the track and And uh, I'm getting better. I use one. I don't have one like most of these guys. Somehow the hell they all have one. I don't know. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to hang out with them. I got a, I got a couple of them. Taylor Moore and uh, Kevin Doherty that I hang out with a lot. And I just, you know they're good good energy
3: do they pick your mind at all do you find many of the young guys come to you for advice
0: there's a couple um i actually thought it would probably be more and looking back really if i had to do it over again i would have found more of a mentor i actually i talk a lot now with phil blackmar and uh i really respect his opinion I think he's really smart um you know he didn't have a great career He played on tour for 25 years well some people wouldn't call. I'd call anything if you played 25 years. Sure. That's a great career. So, anyway.
4: Uh, now he probably wa- he watches more golf than yeah, right. anybody. Yeah, yeah. Too. so uh,
0: not very many of them. I mean, those guys mm-hmm. that I hang out with, they'll ask me a question, you know, about travel or where to stay or, you know. Yeah. And it's obviously some. But I do stuff a little different on the golf course, mainly because I'm left-handed. So, it's yeah. <laughs> not a whole lot of knowledge going back and forth.
2: Where does the BMW charity pro am rank up there with web events, like annual events that you play as far as how much you enjoy it, the golf is the whole experience.
0: It re- it's, it's grown to be a top notch event now. I mean, obviously the days get long, um, with the pro am format, but it's something that you know, is, you know, it's part of the week. It's like AT&T. Yeah. You know, pebble beach. It's, it's an ass kicking, but it's a great event. It's same, same as this week. Um, you know obviously on our tour the money is so important and this is one of the i think top three or four purses so everybody comes um you know with all you fancy amateurs here they treat <laughs> us very well so it's a, it's turned into a great event and, and greenville is a great town great food you know nice people and uh you know they've done a good job with thornblade it's gotten better and then uh I lo- I mean, I, so you sweet. guys. I love yeah. the cliffs. I mean oh, that's by far my favorite place. Those greens are sensational. And then, uh, you know, Firm is a good little layout. It's you can tell it's kind of a university course. It doesn't get a lot of love, but
2: I think the first within the first five minutes of us sitting down for dinner on Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever we did. Yeah your face you already were mentioning the greens at the cliffs and i was like all right this guy's gonna come out you birdie the first four holes in <laughs> the cliffs and i was like getting ready to sound the alarms for 59 watch yeah. i thought it was coming yeah. um so you roomed with charles Howe at oklahoma state right i did do you have any favorite charles Howe story he's uh, a friend friend of the program I,
0: knew, I know he's a big fan of the program i've known charles for i, I first ran into charles when uh let's see he was we were either nine or 10. I'm a year older at the future masters. And he had a, he used to play those Yonex drivers and they were literally, they would come up to the bottom of his chin. (laughs) Uh, So he's been, he's been kicking my ass ever since. But uh, you know, Charles wasn't very domesticated when he came to school. So I remember and my mom would probably tell the story better that. uh, So the end of Charles's freshman year, his mom came to kind of help him move out and he was moving in with us. And we had a tournament in Ardmore, which is about two hours south of Stillwater. And Debbie, she didn't show up till like the second day. And my mom was like, Debbie, where have you been? And she said, well, I've been doing laundry for two days. Every time Charles would run out of underwear and socks, instead of learning how to do laundry, he would just go buy more. So he had like <laughs> three laundry bags full of underwear and so socks. They kept <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> And his mom had been doing laundry for like three, two days straight before she got to the
2: tournament. Oh, man. Um, all right, so if uh, – come uh, come this fall, you're going to be at the Web Tour Championship, okay. I would imagine. Are you down for a rematch, me and you versus Tron and Curtis?
0: Oh, there's – I mean, 100%. Just book it.
2: And if well, – hopefully you're on your way to your PGA Tour card for next year, would you yeah. run it back for this event with the t- with the four of us again? Sure, I would. Yeah? Be great we weren't too distracting. distracting?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> Those are awesome. And I – Uh, Listen, obviously, most of us are friend are, you know, love to love what you guys do. I'm, I'm excited I get to be on the pod. I mean, this is, I listen to most of your stuff, and, you know, you guys are great for the game.
2: I appreciate that.
3: I, I just want to say from my perspective, you know, I kind of goofing around a little bit this week, how appreciative I was, you know, how approachable and you were very willing to kind of go along with the absurdness of, of some of the stuff we were doing um so it, it was much appreciated from our perspective too it was, it was great getting to know you and also your wife who yeah, made the trip yes, yeah absolutely. so randy
4: spent the whole day with the wags yesterday yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, papen, I was i, I was the outside pictures.
3: the robes yeah so I, I got to know everybody it was it was nice yeah.
2: i knew you're into this when after you birdied those first four holes at, at cliffs you turned you're like man we can't gain anything on these guys <laughs> i'm Josh, like all right you're out here grinding for your card <laughs> and somehow still care about this team Solly versus team tron uh, thing so I thought we
0: we were gonna make a move, man.
4: I came out firing. And I, thought, so did you, I they. thought y'all were too. Yeah,
2: <laughs> no moves to be made. Yeah. So,
4: so you feel like you're just not to de- not to delve back into too deep, but you feel like your game is kind of trending back upwards. like you you entered what last year? You were playing PGA Tour Latino America. No, I was year. playing mini tours. Just I've been straight playing mini tours many last year, basically. Yeah, for for the last. I, I three. was never gonna do.
0: Those don't make sense for me with a, you know, wife and kids. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I I had a little bit of status where I was going to get into a couple of events out here. And, you know, the Adams tour was so good. It was basically, you know, the same as a Latino tour for the the economics. I mean, so
4: I was just doing that. And And then you finished, what, second in Panama this year? Yeah, second in Panama and fifth in uh, Savannah. So you see a very limited status coming into this year, and now well, you're... actually I went back to Q. No, I went back to okay. Q
0: school. I went through all three stages of Q school. I did, used my push cart in the first stage. Nice, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. nice. I think I remember seeing that yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, I did, uh, I did it a couple days in the second stage, and I had a buddy do a couple of days, and then he did finals, and uh, I finished. I think
4: thirty fifth. So. Okay.
0: I was kind of you know I was about so that gets you status the
4: first. It got me the first eight starts. Okay, and then you you. That then i've to, played
0: nice enough to where i don't have to worry about it i've exempt. pretty much got enough money to where i've already got basically clinched my card for next year so mm-hmm. now we're just you know trying to catch a few hot weeks and get back up there
2: i know you don't this you don't play there as your home course and we didn't get to watch much of the byron nelson this week but what are your thoughts on trinity Forest? i know you've played the state open out there and a little, a little bit more out there as well right
0: yeah, i i think it's very unique i i think it's i think it's fun to play um uh we, we talked about it a little bit. When I played the State Open there I, I'm pretty sure the the Greens were way firmer. I didn't see any any of my balls have a chance to stop on the Greens and and I know the tour's different. They want it to look good on T V and presented a good product to the to the players, but I I would like for it to see it play in its normal state. I think it'd be a way you know, they wouldn't be shooting the grass off of it. Yesterday they really didn't with the win. I mean mm-hmm. Charles shot a great round, sixty five, but you know, really everybody else was you know, kind of right around par. Liechman shot sixty-one, sixty-six. I mean, I mean that's one shot he served. I mean, that's like that's like the Web Tour. You know, yeah. you're not supposed to do that on the big tour. That's nutty. Yeah.
2: So, oh, on behalf of our whole team, man, thanks for a great week. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, I hope we don't get to do it again next year. Cause yeah. I hope you're yeah. out playing hey, with Byron Nelson here at uh, this time next year, but uh, we can look forward to rematching again here this fall. And uh, thanks a ton for having us, man.
4: Hopefully yeah. it's like you and T Boone Pickens playing. That's right. That's right. Thanks. So, yeah, cheers. Thanks guys. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it.
0: Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes. Yeah!
1: Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better
3: than most! Expect anything!